0: Today will be the last uh, session on Red Letter Jesus for about a month, because Advent starts next, Sunday, next Sunday is December 1st, and uh, we're going to take a a look at some of the contrasts of the season, the contrasts of the season and what they tell us about God and His mercy. But today I just want to wrap up on the teachings of Jesus as they relate to the kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, my kingdom, he said, your kingdom when he's talking about God, the Father. And um, everything that Jesus taught about, of course, was about the kingdom. <laughs> However, there are specific teachings uh, in which he said uh, the The kingdom of heaven is like, And this will be the last one we'll look at uh, before we get into some really practical teaching of Jesus. Where Jesus spoke to um, things in such a way that it was very clear to us what he meant in regard to how we live our lives. So we've been talking about the kingdom of God and and, uh, how he created it for us and, and how that it is just continuing to grow and that nothing can get in the way of its growth and how one day it will overwhelm and overthrow and uh, replace the kingdoms of this earth and this earth uh, will be replaced by a new heaven and a new earth. Today I want to focus on this concept of rights. Know your rights. It seems that our culture is consumed with the concept of individual rights. In Canada, we have a Charter of Rights and Freed Freedoms um, that is enshrined in our Constitution, and it guarantees every Canadian, or anyone even living, actually, in our country, most of it is applied to, that, to anyone living here, um, fundamental freedoms like the freedom to uh, practice your religion, or democratic li- rights, as you know, having the right if you're a citizen to vote. Um, there's mobility rights that you know no one stopped us or prevented us from moving from Ontario to Prince Edward Island. Um, legal rights. Uh, I have the right to a fair trial, to representation. Um, Language rights, the, 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 the first uh, language, French uh, peoples, have a right to have services in their language. So all of these rights and freedoms um, are really before us a lot. And I find that the reason they're before us an awful lot is that even though they're individual rights, we live in a community. And being within a community, um, we find that a lot of our thinking, a lot of the controversies, a lot of the media that we take in day in and day out, actually have to do with how your individual rights um, might be thwarting my individual rights. Here's three, three examples. Um, how about uh, Bill uh, 21 in, in Quebec? where um, there's the clash between an individual's right to um, express and practice religion um, is in conflict with uh, the rights of others to not be subjected to uh, religion (laughs) Uh, because they live in a secular society. Or... uh, we always talk about the United States in this context, and, and of course this is a, a picture from the United States, um, and it has to do with gun rights. Um, but if, if you're staying close to the news, you'll understand that this is becoming a real issue in our country too. Um, and that is, you know, my right to bear arms is in conflict with others' rights to live in peace and security, right? Freedom from um, uh, the fear of of someone using those uh, those guns for malevolent purposes. And then, of course, there's the the struggle between uh, uh, the woman's right to choose and uh, the rights of uh, the fetus, unborn children, the issue of abortion. So, individual rights are, are such a part of our culture and our way of thinking. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if they don't affect how we relate to God. And the question that I, I want us to look at today is, what did Jesus say about rights and freedoms in the kingdom What did Jesus say about rights and freedoms within the kingdom of God? Each one of us here who has given their heart to Jesus Christ is part of the kingdom of God. What are your rights? What are your freedoms? Um, One day, as we've said, the kingdom of God will replace the kingdoms of this world and it'll just be one kingdom in the new heaven and the new earth. What are going to be the rights? What are going to be the freedoms? And so the question is, what did Jesus say about rights and freedoms in the kingdom of God? Well, in order to look at that, we have to sort of just back up the bus just a little bit and think about why we place such emphasis on rights and freedoms in our culture. And the reason we do is that if we don't guard, no guard, fight for our rights and freedoms, the world is such that they will be taken away. There's no question about that. We might be oblivious and say that, you know, human nature is such that we can all live in harmony and everyone can have their rights and freedoms. And uh, that's just patently false. History shows time and again how individuals have risen up and what they do is they take away the rights and freedoms of others so that they can enjoy personal, self-interested rights and freedoms. Right? And so the reason we have these Charters of Rights and Freedoms is that, that, that quite frankly if we don't keep them before our eyes, if we don't work hard at them, if we don't guard them, they'll be taken away. There's no question about it. We could be made subject to others who just have their own self-interest in mind. And so when we look at what Jesus said about the kingdom of God, he didn't talk about rights and freedoms. (laughs) And that's because He presents a kingdom in which the authority is him and his father and the spirit, the deity, the trinity. And instead of looking and instead of seeing those people as people that are going to take away rights and freedoms, the presentation of the king in the kingdom of heaven is the picture of a shepherd <laughs> who looks out only for the very best for his children. And so it's there's a dissonance, right, with this idea of rights and freedoms that we have to work at in our culture and then being a part of, being dual citizens, if you will, citizens of Canada and citizens of uh, the kingdom of God. The idea that we... We don't really have rights and freedoms, really, in the kingdom of God. Because they're not necessary. Because we live under the lordship of a king who is like a good shepherd. Who does everything in our best interest. And all that he calls us to is to trust him. The thing is, though, as I said earlier, our indoctrination, the fact that we are saturated with this idea of rights and freedoms, can seep into our citizenship in the kingdom of God. we can actually start to question the goodness of god we can start to question his fairness we can start to question how just he is when we see others seemingly getting benefits that that we don't get we cry foul That's not right. That's not fair. That's unjust. When we don't get what we feel we're entitled to. You know, I've been so faithful to you, God. How could you let this happen to me? What we're saying is that we're entitled, we have rights. And he's not being fair. If we're not rewarded for our best efforts, we question his justice. So this propensity that we have to to focus on our rights and freedoms can skew our relationship with our God. God. We can question his goodness, his fairness, and his justice. And this is what I think motivated this last parable that we're going to take a look at today. It's called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And I'm going to read from Matthew 20, the parable. The words will be up here. For the kingdom of heaven, Jesus' words, is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing, and he he told them also, you also go and and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. And about five in the afternoon, he went out and and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon, it might have worked a couple hours really, uh, came and, and each received a denarius. So when those who, uh, those came who were hired first, early in the morning, they expected to receive more. Interesting, is that rights and freedoms, right there. <laughs> it's my right. I've worked longer than those guys. It's my right. But each one of them also received a denarius, and when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and, and you have made them equal to us who have been who have borne the burden of the work. And uh, in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them <coughs> I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. If you're like me, every fiber of your bee reacts negatively to that parable. That's unfair. That ain't right. This landowner is unjust. Unjust. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like that. I'm not sure I want to be part of that. Take a deep breath. Consider the context. Not that it's going to change the fundamentals, but it is going to help you understand what Jesus is talking about. It's generally understood that. The earliest workers are the religious elites or the Pharisees or the religious rulers of the day, And they're going to get a denarius, which means equate denarius to citizenship in the kingdom of God. The later workers are the reprobates that Jesus is inviting into the kingdom of God. The reprobates that Jesus is inviting into the kingdom of God. The prostitutes, tax collectors, the sinners, those who have lived their lives for themselves, So, when you think of Denarius as citizenship in the kingdom of God, does that change how repulsive this parable is to you? Does it maybe start to show you the rights of the landowner or of God? We don't quabble or quibble. With the thief who was saved. That that thief lived his whole life for himself. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) He was getting justice. And Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise today. (sighs) Do we have a problem with that? Do we have a problem with that? You've worked in the church your whole life. You've been a good little boy and a good little girl, and you've done all the right things. And then this Jesus comes along and says, At what the Legion Ears talk about. The Legion Ear Ministries uh, is a ministry that, that I reference a bit, quite a bit, I guess. And um, this is how they respond to this parable. In our fallen condition, we are tempted to believe that God somehow owes us something other than justice. However, if the Lord were to pour out his justice on us, we could not stand. But he shows us grace to his people, saving them from their sin when he owes them no such salvation. Do you believe that? I mean, really, do you believe that? He shows grace to his people, saving them from their sin when he owes them no such salvation. Do you really believe that God does not owe you anything? If you don't, you don't believe in salvation. Jesus Christ does not owe you anything. You broke the relationship. You rebelled against him. He owes you nothing. Understand that? It doesn't matter how good you've been, how faithful you've been, he owes you nothing. And yet, in his incredible love, And grace. He offers you everything. (laughs) Everything. A pardon that he purchased on the cross. He took your bullet. (laughs) He took your spot. He didn't have to, though. We have to know this. We have to know that he did not have to. Grace is God's undeserved favor. It's unearned. Until we recognize that we don't deserve his gift of citizenship in the kingdom. That we are not owed. No matter how well we behave, that we have no right until we recognize that we have been incredibly blessed to receive citizenship. We're forever going to struggle with not having our way. We're going to fight against God and His fairness and His justice. Who here has not heard this and I would dare say thought it how can can I believe in a God who allows suffering who allows atrocities who doesn't recognize my rights my right to good health, to financial security, to healthy relationship who condemns sinners to hell how could I believe in that God He is unjust. And yet against that, we have juxtaposed words like Moses' words. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright, upright, and just is he. We can't talk about justice without talking about Job. This guy got a PhD in what I'm talking about today. God tells Satan, on one of Satan's regular visits to the throne, that Job was blameless and upright, that there is no one on earth like him. That dismisses all of us, if you're thinking pretty good about yourself today. No one like Job. Blameless and upright. And yet God allows Satan to destroy his life. And not just destroy his life, but to torment it with boils all over his body. God had no regard for Job's right to justice because if he did, he wouldn't have picked Job because Job was good. He had no regard for that, he had no regard for his fairness. He, he he gave no regard to the fact that Job should be rewarded, not punished, for good behavior. And so logically, Job and his buddies <laughs> start to say, "What's the deal, man? This is unjust." This is a right. And God's response to Job is, would you discredit my justice? Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Those are powerful words. By How is is Job justifying himself by discrediting God's justice? You see, by questioning God's justice, that's not fair. He's suggesting that Job, or Job is suggesting, I am entitled. I deserve better. I've got my rights and my freedoms. Check the charter. You deserve better. But God's response in, in how He responds to Job, you got to read it. It's like, whoa, it's just, it just keeps pouring it on. But God's response to sum it up is to say as much as, who are you to say, you who are fallible, imperfect, finite, created by me? question my justice. i defined justice. I am just. I am the measure of justice. How can you sit in judgment of me? How can you say you are unjust? And the response is "Why why am I entitled You're not. We're not. You want to talk about justice, though? Check this out. Romans 3. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. It was not enough for Jesus to come and say, look it, you guys really screwed up. Admit it. And if you admit it, let's just forget it. Let's go on. Let's move on. No, not good enough because God's just. And because God's just, Jesus died the miserable death. He paid the penalty because a penalty had to be paid. So you want to talk justice? You want to accuse God of being unjust? When in fact, he paid the penalty for your sin? Really? Some people will say this is a negative message. (laughs) Because basically what I'm saying is that you don't deserve salvation. And I look at it totally differently. The fact that I embrace my depravity makes me celebrate the grace of God all the more. Makes me want to worship God. Makes me want to put him in his rightful place. This is an incredibly positive message. That Christ, even though you don't deserve it, died for you. And took the penalty for you. If I deserve God's favor, listen to this, if I deserve God's favor, his grace is diminished. If I deserve God's favor, his grace not really needed like what you go to you know what's it for? If you deserve God's good gifts, what's that got to do with grace Grace is diminished. I like these words. These are the words of an older gentleman who trusted Christ a few days before he died. Life is not fair. Praise God. He didn't get what he deserved. It's amazing to live in a country with rights and freedoms. We should know them, and we should be sure to maintain them. We should fight for them. Think of this though, maybe even more. We should fight for the rights and freedoms of those who are being oppressed. But we should be focused on rights and freedoms, no problem with that. But being a citizen of the kingdom of God has nothing to do with rights and freedoms. Surrendering completely to a gracious God is all that is required. For a full life. We have been given the greatest gift. And if we have been given the greatest gift of all. How petty. How petty is it of us. To complain. When God in his omnipotence decides that. What is best for you. We declare unjust. What is best for you? We say, you're unjust. Would you discredit my justice by defending yourself? This is the meaning of that parable. God can pay the guy who worked an hour the same as he paid the guy who worked all day it's his right, especially when you think of it in the context of grace. And you think of it in, as a gift of salvation. You think of the guy on the cross with Jesus, the criminal. we got to be careful with this rights and freedom stuff. Because, yeah, we should be interested and concerned. But we're in a different kingdom altogether when it comes to the kingdom of God. Don't let your privilege and your prerogative get you in trouble in your relationship with God. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for sending Jesus to teach us stuff. and I thank you even for this parable, which is so abrasive to our sensitivities around rights and justice and freedoms. But thank you for teaching it, because it draws us into a better place where we understand more fully the amazing grace of God. We praise you and we worship you. We bow down before you. We acknowledge that without you we are nothing, and that with you you are more than enough. God bless y'all.